Hello and welcome to the Close-Up Podcast, the official podcast of the Film Society of Lincoln Center. My name is Michael Kresge. I'm the Director of Editorial and Creative Strategy here. And today I have two um, special guests to talk about a very exciting upcoming series that we want you all to know about. Um, so if you could please introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Fran Salmuzini. I'm the Associate Director of Programming at Film Society. And I'm Irena Kovarova. I'm an independent film programmer. I started a company called Comeback Company to further my programming efforts and producing exhibition programs in film. I'm Czech. Uh, I've been living in New York since 1996. And since 1999, I've been working in the field of uh, programming. And uh, I had a great pleasure of working with Florence for many years while I was at the Czech Center in New York. And since 2004, I've been independent and working nationally around North America as well, actually, the entire continent. Great. And welcome. And you are, Arena, you are the guest curator for um, this exciting series called The Puppet Master, The Complete Yerji Turnka. Did I say that right? You said it perfectly. <laughs> and so just as a little introduction, because I know about uh, him a lot less than the two people here, um, he's an animator. He's probably one of the most important animators in world filmmaking. Um, he was born in 1912, and it's been said that um, his output was rivaled only by Walt Disney Studios. And we're going to be showing 18 shorts and six feature-length works of him, and this is um, really kind of like the largest retrospective that we've had in the U U.S. of his work. So I'm excited to discover these films along with audiences, um, but I'd love to know more. I mean, I, I will say out front that these are mostly, not all, but these are mostly stop-motion animated films. So um, if you're familiar with the Rankin-Bass films of the 60s, who, you know, who did like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or the films of Henry Selleck, or more recently some Wes Anderson films, you're familiar with stop-motion animation, but um, Yerji Turnka was really a pioneer of this format. So I'd love to hear first from you, Reina, um, about your experience with him, maybe when you first discovered his films and what they mean to a Czech filmgoer. As I said, I'm Czech. I grew up in Czechoslovakia, and Jiří uh, Trnka uh, was uh, a name that you got acquainted with uh, very early on because apart from being a world-renowned filmmaker, he was as well-known also in the world as an illustrator. And so we all grew up with uh, many books that were wonderfully illustrated by him. Uh, in our library at home, we had... Uh, um, my the cherished big book of um, Hans Christian Andersen's uh, fairy tales with a fantastic illustration uh, right on the cover. And uh, so um, even though I was a big reader, I was actually also or more interested in the pictures. <laughs> so those are really um, burning my brain. And uh, and. Eventually, of course, we, we also I also saw his films on TV, and uh, but I, I I believe that my first time seeing his films on the big screen was in New York. Uh, we programmed the uh, Czech animation series with with Florence at BAM uh, in as part of the BAM Cinematic Program, and uh, it was probably given that you know um, the films were not um, as frequently screened in Czechoslovakia on the big screen, and um, and I think much like everywhere else, if you saw something on TV, you usually didn't go 
to see them in the cinema. And I actually didn't see that many films for children in cinema as a child. So most Czech animation that I ever saw in Czech cinemas, they were short films. They were shown before features, which I that for my life. It was in regular distribution before you saw a film. That was the... Um, um, the the news and then there, there was a short film and many of those films were na- animated films and so that's how we got introduced to Czech animation but Trnka you know was already along that so I couldn't watch any new things and they wouldn't show old ones. And Florence you also saw his films growing up they showed them on French television? Yes um, we were very lucky as European to have access to like really international Uh, films on, on TV. So when I was a child, we got a lot of animation coming from the East as well as the West. So we got a lot of Russian and uh, Czech uh, films for for children, um, which was really interesting. Also as a child, you know, usually it's like dubbed, so you don't even know where it's coming from. That was before the Japanese invasion, really. Uh, so I saw a lot of like uh, Trenka's film. And then I realized later on who he was. I just didn't know the name of who made what at the time. But it was in me. So when I, I saw the film later on, I was just like, oh, I saw this when I was younger. And it just like gave me a lot of pleasure to 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 see it again. And I believe like the first time I saw this on the big screen was indeed when I worked with Irena um, at BAM. But I think before the Czech animation, we were doing a little show around the Shakespeare's animation, uh, adaptation, sorry. And the Shakespeare adaptation are always roughly the same movies playing, and we were looking for something a little bit more um, exciting or different, and we decided to bring um, Midsummer Night's Dream, which was narrated by Richard Burton, uh, that's a 35mm that we brought, and we saw it on the big screen. And I remember it was just like just amazing to see on the big screen like this, and it was a very nice screen. And then we did a Czech animation show where we brought some like different um, type of animation and different directors from different era. But it was absolutely a mesmerizing experience for me. Um, so, yeah, so you're talking about the experience of seeing these on the big screen, even though you grew up maybe watching them on television and how that's different and, and more majestic, perhaps. Can you talk about the visual quality of these films and give listeners a sense of what they're like and how they move? I think that what what we should definitely mention is that <coughs> Even though these are puppet films, they're actually really not targeted, or most of them are not targeted to children. He uh, set on making films for adult audience, and that's pretty much what uh, um, his first puppet film was based on, um, uh, sort of the customs of, of, of the Czech traditions. Uh, it was uh, around a Christmas theme called Bethlehem. And then he expanded it into a feature film, adding more episodes to the same topic. Uh, the film is now called, the, the feature film that he built so was uh, is called The Czech Year. So I think that that also is visible from the the visuals that he was creating. He was an artist. He actually was making art since very early on age, and he also worked for theater. And to me, what 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 I see when I see the, the puppets is is a very very thoughtfully composed image that is taking on from all his his experiences, the theater, puppet theater as well. And the the world of illustration that that he was so such a master of, and uh, you would see um, 
first on very simple puppets that that, that he didn't really anim- animate uh, their faces. He only animated the bodies, and that's how he expressed the the emotions and uh, the atmosphere, and um, which eventually got a little more sophi- sophisticated. And uh, first starting with wooden puppets, and then plastic puppets in the midst of nine stream, but. It's always a great plateau. The, the more and more elaborate with each film, and uh, with with uh, the background as much important as the foreground and as the puppets themselves. Don't think I have anything more to add. I was pretty complete. But you can, yeah, you can clearly see that even so, some would film would be appropriate for an entire family. They are not meant for children because a lot of the scenes are pretty dark. And there's a lot of uh, intricate like storytelling, and also in the way it's it's done, it's it's something that like more complex mind can just fully appreciate. Um, so I think it's it's important to to note that it's it's for everyone, not specifically for children. Uh, we have some programs that are a little more like easier for the younger minds, but um, just for everyone. Well, we we went for a complete retrospective, so we really include everything, include uh, including films that I have really questions about. How did he actually come to 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 make that film? But but so we we were able to sort of uh, shape the the shorts programs that way that we split them not only you know chronologically but also sort of thematically. And so one of the programs called Tales and Collaborations is specifically very suited for, for even little children. Um, stop motion animation is such a delicate process. It's almost, it sometimes feels like the most delicate process you can have in filmmaking. Um, can you talk a little bit about how he actually got into that? Because just because he was an illustrator and storybook writer doesn't necessarily mean you'd get into this particular kind of animation, especially because it wasn't necessarily such a well-known process. He actually, uh, puppets was actually the first art form that he was uh, exposed to and with, with which he worked already as a very young child. His family comes from quite a poor uh, background and they uh, in, they lived in the south of the country and one of the professions in this family was toy making. And they were carving toys and they one of his, I believe, great-grandmothers was uh, painted uh, the toys and, and they sold them as, as like an additional income. And uh, so these professions sort of came from, 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 from his family background. And uh, he was born and lived in Plzeň, and, uh, which is the town, the famous town of beer, Pilsnorkwell, by the way. And, uh, of course. <laughs> we, we got it. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> we have to advertise a little <laughs> of my Czech heritage. Um, so he, um, he was fortunate there was uh, um, uh, another artist in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the form of puppet theater who was quite important, quite famous also internationally, Josef Skupa, who had a puppet theater and uh, it was targeted to children and he invited children over not only to obviously as an audience but he also invited them to create and so Trnka, I think he was four years old, if I'm not mistaken. He uh, won one of these competitions of drawing, and he was really drawn to that theater. And then 
starting, I think, at, at 12, uh, at age, in his teens, and um, I think at age 12, he already was working with Scupa on productions and um, on, on creating puppets and um, painting backgrounds and, and working in the theater, which luckily uh, was also a way how he was able to support himself and to study art school. And uh, Scupa was his lifelong uh, mentor. And um, Scupa, which I should mention, was a creator of this, uh, uh, these timeless figures, uh, Spabel and Hurvinek, which is this father and son um, couple. And uh, Trnka actually made a film, kind of in homage of, of, of his mentor, which is called Circus Hurvinek. And we are showing it, and it's putting one of the stories uh, on the screen. So... Trnka and puppet theater was really the very beginning of his art making and uh, was always present. He also had a real theater in Prague in the 30s. In thir 1938 and 9. He, he ran a theater in Prague and was quite popular. And so, so puppet making was always on his mind. And I think that he the the he was drawn to animated movies because of puppets and because of the idea of making puppet film. So when he made this first film, the Czech Year was that was his first feature. Yes, you were the saying? episode Bethlehem. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the initial response? It was immediately um, accepted. It was immediately uh, seen as 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 a huge success, and um, and so he was able to uh, make. A full fe feature. He got the funding. They were. It was. He made the the film in 1946. So even though it was st still not a communist state, the the cinematography was nationalized. The cinema. Uh, the make filmmaking was was a nas nationalized industry after 1945. So the state was already funding um, filmmaking, and uh, he was able on the success of, of Bethlehem to continue in his own studio and, and, and creating the, uh, the films. But as far as animation on the first films, he was very much hands-on. He did everything from the directing, from the screenwriting, from the, uh, you know, creating puppets, um, painting the, the, uh, the backgrounds and the all, all staging. He was very much involved with, with every aspect and everybody, all his, all the artists that worked with him, they, all, they wrote in interviews how, how magical it was to see him work, how easily everything came out of his hands how when he was carving puppets it looked like he's cutting potato you know it <laughs> seemed very simple until they tried themselves <laughs> and uh, also he he was left-handed but uh, as they say when pushed he actually was ambidextrous and he was he would draw with both of hands <laughs> so apparently the background he 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 was uh, painting and with his right hand for some reason <laughs> i mean it was just very he, he, he was a very inspiring um, person. And eventually he, however, created a whole um, crew that worked with him on almost all his films. And uh, he basically cast each animator for different characters in his films based on their personalities and what they knew how to, what they were best in, 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 the, in the animation of the puppets. I found that really interesting. And in some films you actually see a real cast, like an animator with, with a character in the credits, which I, I found amazing. So this film played 
at the Czech year. It played at the Venice Film Festival where it won a prize. This is his first film. And I'm curious about what where the state of Czech cinema was at that time in the late 40s. I think most people listening probably really only know about the Czechoslovak New Wave, which was in the 60s. So what was happening in Czech cinema at the time and what did um, his films mean to it? Well, this this was his first puppet film, but he was already um, awarded for, for his second... Uh, animated film or his second film ever which was the animals and the brigands and now he, he won award in 1946 at the inaugural Cannes film festival for that film as the best short I, I think together with another film and the festival showed actually a few other films from the uh from the studio and they also showed a carl zeman film and so carl zeman and and Yiri Trnka, they were very present on the festival circuit already in in since the mid 40s and um and for Czechoslovak state, uh, obviously uh, before 1948 when the communists took over, um, that was of course great. And for after the communists uh, takeover, they were always very proud that, that the foreigner that the foreigners you know were were uh, recognizing Czech cinema. So. Uh, in f 1949, when, when the Czech year was uh, awarded, um, he was already a non-entity and, and was quite uh, uh, quite recognized in, and had many followers, especially in France. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, one of the reasons, I'm sure, that, the, the, that Florence was able to see the films in, 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 in France. Uh, he, he had many relationships that he created through his attendance at Cannes and through, through being a visionary, actually, especially after he started making puppet films, that he, he, he became a, a big entity internationally. And Florence, um, having seen these films young, having seen these films more recently, is there something that you just want to tell listeners that just really jumps out as something that may be a good entry point or that is a particular favorite of yours? Well, I mean, I, I love the visual aspect of the film. I'm always very drawn to um, what you can see in terms of uh, visuality as well as like the mise-en-scene. And I think the mise-en-scene is very intricate in, in his films. Uh, but it's something that I think more recently, um, since I was able to see more film, it's also the political aspect of, of certain film that when you see it now, you're just wondering how much was going on in his life. Uh, first of all, he had a relatively short career. I mean, also it takes forever to make an animation, an animated film like this. But it, he pretty much stopped, you know, he died, he died relatively young. Uh, but when you see certain films... Um, you know, like so, like the hand is probably one of the most known. Uh, I'm, I was more like interested in seeing like how you could do a film like this, and uh, how can you have a career when you make a film like this um, at at that time. Uh, there's also one other short film that I found pretty interesting and kind of funny uh, to see today. It's why UNESCO. And I would recommend for people in the current government to maybe <laughs> have a glance at this. <laughs> and it does explain a lot, but it's, it's, it's also like very interesting and beautiful. 
Yeah, it's interesting what you say about short career. I mean, like he was uh, one of the reasons everybody believed that he died at the age of 57 was that he worked so hard. He really worked very hard since his 20s when he was basically studying and earning his living at the same time through his art. Actually, since 18, I think. So um, he 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 was um, a workaholic, I would also think, but he was very you know ambitious and he worked in all the uh, for him. So by the time that he started making films, he was already a very established artist, but also already, you know, had a huge body of work behind him in illustration, in theater, in puppet theater. And uh, but it's really amazing what he was able to manage between the year 1946 and 1965. It's basically only 20 years and making so many animated films. It's no 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 small feat. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed when I just look at the how many films he put out in a, in that period of time and how long it takes to make a film like this. I'm amazed how much he was able to churn out. I guess is the wrong term, but when I think of when you think of Disney, you think of a gigantic studio with tons of people churning out a product. Whereas how many how many people did he actually have working with him? In the credits, he would always, uh, in the crew, he would say, like, all these are collaborators and and hundred others, <laughs> <laughs> which I found amusing. But it was not a huge production. I, I don't think that, I mean, at some point, of course, when they were uh, shooting the crowds, crowd scenes, for instance, in old... Uh, Czech legends, which are absolutely fantastic, is um, there were over seventy puppets at one point at the same time. So, so wow. you had to have, you know, people. Maybe they operated more puppets than one, but at the same time, it was a big crew. So, I, I would, my guess is thirty people, sort of like really closely working with him, from from you know the production of the puppets and uh, all the way to editing and and music. He made he had wonderful relationships. He had some really carry long collaborators like his uh, uh, the author of the music which was really uh, made for the film and oftentimes before the film was shot so they they sort of reacted to each other on uh, the, the music composers Václav Trojan um, then um, his uh, his animators, who then became many of them uh, great directors anim of animated films themselves, like Bořivoj Pojar and um, Přetislav Pojar and um, Stanislav Látal. Then, um, and then of course, his uh, screenwriting partner and uh, sometimes co-director Jiří Brečka, to whom we actually are showing a little tribute, um, is um, um, those were people who who had very close relationships and uh, very admired him, and but they also said they they worked really long hours. Um, to talk just very briefly about that sidebar, um, you were talking about um, Yuri Bradechka, and so what was his relationship exactly to um, to Turnka, and what was like what was the significance of that partnership? Isi Berechka was actually the one who was more experienced in animated cinema. He was working with uh, one of the animated uh, film studios that was run by an Austrian um, during the occupation during the World War II in, in Prague. And uh, he was um, a writer. He was um, sometimes critic, film critic. and um, But he also was a really great drafts, draftsman. And... Uh, after the uh, Trenka together with uh, a group of uh, um, 
animators who approached him to be their artistic head started the uh, Bratři v Triku animated studio. That was the first one that he was involved in in 1945. He uh, eventually joined the group and was his writing partner. Uh, there is a very beautiful documentary about him that Teresa Brečkova, our guest, made about Jiří Brečka, and that which talks uh, more to... Um, the creative partnership they had. Um, Berečka was a very talented screenwriter. He wrote uh, scripts not only for animated films and his own animated films that he directed. I think he had over 35 films. He um, also co-wrote some of the best-known Czech comedies and we actually show uh, one of the films that is based on his own book called Lemonade Joe, which is one of the most hilarious and popular uh, Czech comedies of all times. And you talked um, a little bit, actually, Florence, you talked a little bit earlier about how surprisingly political some of these films are. I guess a general question for both of you is how, within this format, how he managed to inject politics of the time into his films. There is an, an interesting aspect of his personality and his work that I think he was steering away from being too political mm -hmm. during communist times it was not you know that's what they you were asked for of course to show the right politics the proper politics and um even though he was from you know not a well-to-do family so 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 he he had the right uh, biography for the communist regime he didn't participate in that you know, he was more co-opted by them rather than him participating within that whole structure. And so I think that for him, he had to have a personal connection to the topic. And, and uh, um, he also was not able to do some films that he wanted to do. For instance, he wanted to make a film about this uh, um, um, Matej Kopecký uh, uh, puppet theater uh, luminary from uh, 1800s uh, that was sort of no uh, he saw as, as as a huge figure for for the form and he wanted to uh, cast uh, Vlasta Burian who was uh, a fantastic comedy actor from the, the, especially in the era between the wars but then was kind of down like with the communists and so they didn't allow him to shoot the film that was supposed to be in um a live action film with some, probably some elements, obviously, of puppet making or puppetry. But um, so, so he he was sometimes steered in a certain direction that this, you have to make a certain topic, and that's how he uh, was asked. He was asked to make a film based on the old Czech legends, and first he uh, resented, and uh, but eventually he found a way how to make it his own and how to present it the way that he wanted, and, and kind of embraced the idea. So it didn't come across as a, like a nationalist fantasy or anything. Well, it will always be because it's really Czech national myths, okay. but but our legends. But but he went all the way to even sort of research historical research of of, of and uh, and apart from this uh, this book that was seen as a nationalistic book of. A of uh, uh, an 1800s author, Alois Jerasek, he also used uh, the medieval chronicles and uh, and it made sure that was appeared in the credits. But but he did. He was obviously a very intelligent man, and he did uh, address issues of of you know free 
artistic expression that was even before the communists took over in this wonderful um, um, animated um, cartoon film called the, the Gift, which I strongly recommend. It's in uh, our uh, shorts program, um, The Star from the Start. And, um, and then eventually he made The Hand, uh, which was the most clearly political films. It was in 1965, that, and that was pretty much the end of his filmmaking. The film was banned, and he started to be sick. And even though he had plans for more films, he, 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 he couldn't make it for several reasons. Um, so you both, you've both mentioned The Hand, and, and you just mentioned that it was the film that kind of ended things. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that, what that movie's about, and why was it so controversial? So, so the the hand is 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 is, um, is a short film, uh, about twenty minutes, I believe, and uh, it's uh, the most uh, obviously political film in his um, in his uh, ever. He combined a live action of a hand by a famous uh, Czech pantomime actor uh, Václav Fialka uh, with a single puppet. Basically, these two characters in the entire film, and um, the um, the story is very simple. There is um, a simple artist who basically is a pot maker. You call him an artist. He's standing for in for artist, but he's just a pot maker, and uh, he creates uh, um, pots for 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 a plan that he always puts in, 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 in his pot, the hand comes in and starts first gently, but eventually more and more forcefully to, to make him make um, sculptures its image as, as the image of the hand. And the artist resists. And eventually he's uh, forced to create a sculpture in a, in a cage and dies. Well, I think we could all learn from Tales of Resistance right now, so we'll take an optimistic <laughs> viewpoint of that. That sounds terrific, though. <laughs> There's also Chekhov adaptation in here in, in one of the shorts programs. I mean, it seems like he covered the waterfront. Mm -hmm. his, his films are all the way from uh, straight-out um, satire and comedies to, to obviously, adaptations of, of, of big uh, books and, um, and uh, literary works like the Shakespeare-like Chekhov, like uh, Hans Christian Andersen with The Emperor's Nightingale. But I, I really actually like that uh, uh, romance uh, with double bass. It's, uh, it's uh, almost wordless, or it is wordless with exception of oohs and ahs. But what I also like is, is, for instance, that they recycled puppets from film to film. So one of my, my favorite films in the series, or his films, uh, is uh, um, Song on the Prairie, which is uh, very related to the Lemonade Joe. It's basically um, uh, set around the same topic of um, satire based on festerns. And uh, the the woman in the uh, that is being seduced in uh, pra uh, Song of the Prairie, then appears as a naked puppet in the romance. So it's the same puppet. Also, what's fun fantastic is that he 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 depicted himself and Berdechka in, in 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 some of the films. So there are puppets that look like Trnka, and um, the villain in Song of the Prairie is Berdechka. <laughs> so keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> I, I think I would really like the audience to to see the short programs because you really experience a complete like 
artistry that he, he, he made. Uh, I really like the master mastery program. I think it's beautiful. And I do love uh, Midsummer Night Dreams. I mean, a little bit because, yeah, it's the first one I did see on the big screen. And it was a beautiful print and the color were amazing. Uh, but it's, it's also like, it's also just like a great, great adaptation. Uh, and I, I think people would enjoy it very much. But I do like all the film and all the programs. And Irani, you're going to be introducing all the shorts programs. I will. I will introduce all the all the first screenings, and I will also moderate the uh, questions and answers with Teresa Brechkova, who's our guest. And I'm really looking forward to talking with her um, about uh, Trnka because she's actually making a documentary about Jiří Trnka, and that's why we invited her. She released the films of her father, a selection of his. Um, um, the animated films that he directed. It's all a total of 35, 34 films on a DVD set, uh, which is uh, fantastically uh, produced and also has a wonderful book companion. And uh, I really recommend. She's uh, a filmmaker herself. She's a film writer. She uh, used to program for Carlo Vivari Film Festival. I think it's, it's going to be a treat. But as of right now, these films are, for the most part, not available in, this, in, this, in, the, in the U.S., I talked DVD. about Jiří, Brnka, Jiří Brečka films that she did. Uh, Jiří Trnka films are uh, not available, right. really. So this is really a chance. This is the chance for everybody to come see them and to see them in a beautiful theater on the big screen, which is very important. So We forgot to mention that we have two premieres of uh, restorations. We have two films that the National Film Archive in Prague restored and... Uh, um, that, those are the Czech year and all Czech legends. And uh, for this uh, program, uh, um, I, together with Alex Zucker, our translator, and my company, we have produced uh, subtitles uh, for 11 films. So those are newly subtitles, and mm -hmm. some of them have never been subtitled. So those would be probably premieres. But anyway, we don't need to claim it, but it's, uh, it's something that we are really excited about. And so these films will also uh, be going on tour after this, so other cities will have a chance to see them, correct? Yes. Um, we are putting the uh, program in variations, uh, but sometimes also the entire complete retrospective on tour. Uh, there will be cities like uh, Cleveland, Los Angeles, uh, Cambridge uh, with the Harvard Film Archive. Uh, in Los Angeles, it will be American Cinematheque. We're going to be in Chicago. That's uh, uh, going to be probably the full retrospective. And... Um, uh, many other cities. Uh, you can follow it on the uh, website of Comeback Company. But if you're a New Yorker, you have to come to the Film Society of Lincoln Center to see these films. And for anybody who likes truly handcrafted cinema, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but this is truly handcrafted. Um, I can't imagine anything better. So thank you both for talking to me about this, and I look forward to seeing the films. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C.org. 
The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.